Come with me on this bonus episode as we unravel the unconventional wisdom of renowned Roman naturalist and author Pliny the Elder and his work, Natural History. Get ready to be transported to eras long gone where beauty was a fusion of wisdom, superstition, and a touch of daring experimentation. As we peel back the layers of time, prepare to be amazed, entertained, and enlightened by the age-old traditions that shaped beauty regimes of yore. Are you ready? Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> telling you if somebody walks in here they're just gonna say she's lost her fucking mind <laughs> welcome my sugar babies to a brand new bonus episode of beauty unlock the podcast i'm carissa in this short bonus episode our focus turns towards a luminary of antiquity gaius plinius segundus fondly remembered as pliny the elder now, Pliny was not just a Roman naturalist and author, but also a natural philosopher, naval and army commander of the early Roman Empire, and a friend of the Emperor Vespasian. He was born in 23 AD in Como, amidst the breathtaking landscapes of Lombardy, a province in northern Italy. Pliny's path led him through the ranks of the Roman army, and in his later life he became a prolific writer. His magnum opus, Natural History, stands as a testament to his insatiable curiosity and boundless intellect. A colossal work, it's divided into 37 books, organized into 10 volumes. These cover topics including astronomy, mathematics, geography, ethnography, anthropology, human physiology, zoology, botany, agriculture, horticulture, not too sure if I said that right, <laughs> pharmacology, mining, mineralogy, sculpture, art, and precious stones. My goodness. He published the first 10 books in 77 AD, but had not made a final revision of the remainder at the time of his death during the eruption of Vesuvius in 79 AD. The rest was published posthumously by Pliny's nephew, Pliny the Younger. Pliny's natural history became a model for later encyclopedias and scholarly works as a result of its breadth of subject matter, its referencing of original authors, and its index. But what sets Pliny apart from the pages of history are his quote-unquote remedies, a curious collection of practices and potions that might just raise your eyebrows today, because let me tell you, they certainly raise mine. These unconventional elixirs extracted from the annals of natural history offer a unique glimpse into the past's approach to self-care. So join me, my friends, as we embark on a captivating voyage through natural history and reveal the intriguing, sometimes bewildering practices of the past. Here we go. Are you plagued by high sexual desire? A man's urine in which a lizard has been drowned is an anti-aphrodisiac potion. So also are snails and pigeons droppings, drunk with olive oil and wine. 
The urine of a eunuch also has the same effect. Have a toothache? It may be cured by using the ashes of the head of a dog that has died in a state of madness. The head, however, must be burnt without the flesh and the ashes injected with oil of cypress into the ear on the side affected. If all else fails, earthworms boiled in oil and injected into the ear on the side affected afford considerable relief. Want that thick, lustrous hair? Apply the urine of a young ass. Just to be clear, when I, I say a young ass, I mean a donkey, except that it's a wild donkey, not a, a human ass. Like, just, I just wanted to be clear on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope there was no confusion there. <laughs> Suffering from epilepsy? Consider using a camel's brain dried and taken in vinegar. If that doesn't work, Epileptic patients are in the habit of drinking the blood even of gladiators, draughts teeming with life, as it were, a thing that, when we see it done by the wild beasts even upon the same arena, inspires us with horror at the spectacle. And yet these persons, forsooth, consider it a most effectual cure for their disease to quaff the warm, breathing blood from man himself, and as they apply their mouth to the wound to draw forth his very life. I have so many questions. Is the gladiator alive and you're doing this? Or is the gladiator close to death? Is he dying? I mean, I'm I'm confused. Do you just go and cut the gladiator and then suck the blood directly from him? I don't know why I have so many questions. I mean, either way, it's quite disturbing. Are you perhaps plagued by low sexual desire? The right section of a vulture's lung worn as an amulet in a crane's skin is a powerful aphrodisiac, as is consuming the yolks of five dove eggs mixed with a denarius of pig fat and honey, or sparrows, or sparrow eggs. And if that doesn't work, where... <laughs> I can't! <laughs> and if that doesn't work, wearing as an amulet a rooster's right testicle wrapped in ramskin. My friends, I'd rather be plagued by low sexual desire. <laughs> what the fuck? Want to avoid the toothache altogether? A mouse is to be eaten twice a month as a preventative of toothache. Have joint pain? Try bathing in urine of a person who has lived on a cabbage diet. Ladies, want to avoid wrinkles? Try using leaves steeped in the urine of a boy or girl not yet adolescent, pounded with saltpetre and applied to the abdomen. How about maintaining those pearly whites? It is considered a very efficacious remedy to wash the teeth with goat's milk or bull's gall. The pastern bones of a she-goat just killed, reduced to ashes, and indeed, to avoid the necessity for repetition of any other four-footed beast reared in the farmyard, are considered to make an excellent dentifrice. Cures for babies. The brain of a she-goat passed through a golden ring is given drop by drop by the magi to babies before they are fed with milk to guard them from epilepsy and other diseases of babies. Restless babies, especially girls, are quieted by an amulet of goat's dung wrapped in a piece of cloth. My friends, what about those snake bites? Well, the fumes of the burning horns or hair of the she-goat will repel serpents, they say, the ashes, too, of the horns used either internally or externally are thought to be an antidote to their poison. 
Persons who find that they are recovering but slowly from injuries inflicted by a serpent will find their health more speedily re-established by frequenting the stalls where goats are kept. Those, however, whose object is a more assured remedy, attach immediately to the wound the paunch of a she-goat killed for the purpose, dung and all. Others, again, use the flesh of a kid, and when we're talking about a kid, we're talking about a baby goat, just killed and fumigated with the singed hair, the smell of which has the effect of repelling serpents. I'm sure it has the effect of repelling other human beings as well. Hey, John, are you still suffering from a stiff neck? Well, I got the cure for you, buddy. For the painful cramp attended with inflexibility, to which people give the name of opisthotony, the urine of a she-goat ejected into the ears is found very useful, as also a liminate made of the dung of that animal mixed with bulbs. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode on Pliny the Elder's Natural Home Remedies. Let me know which one you're interested in trying, and I'm sure we can work something out. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Beauty Unlock the Podcast. Do us a huge favor and follow us throughout social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. Have a wonderful week and weekend, my friends. Remember to wear that SPF, stay hydrated, and you'll hear from me next week. Bye! Thank <laughs> you.